1: Hello and welcome back to Mads World. This is the season six finale of Mads World, and I'm your host Mads. If you have enjoyed this season, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Follow the show on Instagram; it's at madsworld.mp3, and check out the website; it's madsworld.co. For the season finale, I am over the moon to be joined by anonymous relationship expert, author, and voice of reason, La La La. Let me explain. Layla is a single mother of one and her blog has blown up over the last five years. Consisting of experiences with dating, relationships and situationships with fuckboys, the blog aims to educate and empower other women, helping them to live a fuckboy-free life. Layla has qualifications in psychology, counselling, sexual health and sociology and she has spent her career working in the public and voluntary sector, helping people to work through or leave fucked up relationships, to change negative patterns of behaviour and to develop self-love and good self-esteem. Her Instagram page, which has amassed over 215,000 followers, has become a supportive community of women sharing their stories and realising they aren't alone. The embarrassing and humiliating feelings that women experience following terrible situations with men have allowed people who she inspires to bond over their stories. Up next, we chat about online trolling, how her work as a social worker has shaped her recent career, the pros and cons of anonymity and her thoughts on the rise of reality TV celebrities, mental health and dating shows. Hi Lala, how are you? I'm really well, thank you, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast, you are such a great fit for Mads World with all of your blogging work and everything that you do through social media as well. So yeah, it's awesome to have you here.
2: Thank you. I feel honoured to have been invited.
1: Aww. I understand that you used to be a social worker for fifteen years, and I'm just interested to know what made you move into a more media-focused
2: career. Uh, it sort of wasn't intentional, really. It wasn't a planned thing. I never sort of sat there and and made a career plan or a business plan it was totally accidental really i had reached the end of a string uh, it was like the last of a string of really crap relationships and i suddenly had all these penny drop moments where i realized where i'd been going wrong i realized the red flags that i'd been missing i sort of just connected all the dots that i hadn't been connecting for years and years So I decided that I wanted to write about it. I've always been really into writing, and writing is really therapeutic for me. I enjoy journaling and things like that. Um, And so I just had this real urge to get it all out of me and onto paper. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just write a blog, uh, which I hoped, I guess, that would help other women to connect the dots in the same way that I had. But I really didn't think anybody was going to read it because I had, you know, I had no followers. I started with literally zero followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and, they, and people did want to read it. And so over the course of putting out those blogs, which just got bigger and bigger and bigger, I then got to the stage where I was like, actually, maybe I could turn this into a career and the rest is history.
1: When was, like, the moment when you realised it was sort of getting big? Like, was there, like, a, you know, was there a pivotal moment when it got, like, loads of views or, you know, were people sharing it?
2: How did it sort of blow up? You know, I don't really know. I think I've just been really lucky. Like, I've... Yeah. um, It's all been word of mouth and it just grew really quickly. I didn't do anything to make it grow. I didn't have any, like, particular marketing strategies or anything, but, um... It just, the blog, the blogs in particular were doing incredibly well. They were having like quarter of a million readers within the first couple of months and they didn't go viral or anything. It wasn't like, there wasn't like a particular moment. It's just, and I think that's been part of it actually, is that it has, it's never, I've never gone from like 10,000 followers to a hundred thousand followers overnight. It's been really gradual. It's been really incremental. It's about a thousand followers a week that I get just consistently, and I think actually that's the better way to grow. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I think it speaks to the level of engagement and just like the the amount that people keep coming back to keep reading your stories and seeing what you're up to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, obviously it's all anonymous, which is so fascinating. And I just want to know why you why you chose to be anonymous, and do you ever regret it? Would you ever want your face out there, or would you ever want to be recognised, or are you still happy with it all being anonymous?
2: You know, it's like swings and roundabouts. I talk about this quite often. People always ask me this question. Um, And, I mean, there's a variety of reasons. Obviously, the first reason was that I started when I was still very much working as a social worker. And I I couldn't do the two things together. Um, So it was never meant, like I say, it was not meant to be anything. So it wasn't, it didn't need my face attached to it. It was Mm -hmm. just... I was just writing a blog and putting it out into the ether, you know? Um, Yeah. So, but obviously because the blogs contain stuff about sex and abuse and all of that kind of stuff, I just couldn't have that attached to me as a social worker.
1: Do you think that the anonymity of it has helped? Like, I think people kind of like that it's anonymous because it's sort of like mysterious. Like, who is this person? Like, they see you as a friend, but they don't actually know you. Like, Do you think that sort of makes it?
2: I think that helps a lot because it means that I can appeal to a more diverse audience. You know, if you're a 50 year old black woman, you might look at me and think, well, our lives have not been the same. I can't necessarily relate to you in the same way that I would to another 50 year old black woman. You know, whereas when I'm just a voice and I'm just words in writing, yeah. then you, it's much easier for people to, to relate it to their own lives because they're not having any preconceptions about what I look like. They're not making any judgments about who I am because of my style or my fashion sense or anything like that. So I think it really does help to reach a wider audience and for things to be taken much more for what I'm saying rather than who I am.
1: That's so interesting. And maybe, um people can see themselves in it as well because it is anonymous. They can see yeah, like you said, see those things happening to themselves
2: yeah people can people can apply it to their own lives much more easily mm. rather than making judgments about my physical appearance yeah. um, but there swings and roundabouts because we do live in such a culture now which is dictated by what do you look like, what are you wearing um especially in this like influencer social media culture, so I you know it holds me back massively um, I do you know what there's so many like I could give you 10 positives and 10 negatives like on the one hand it holds me back massively in terms of earning potential mm-hmm. um, you know I can't go on TV to promote my book I can't yeah, of course. there's loads of things I can't do but then on the other hand I get far less trolling. Yeah. Than a lot of my peers who are doing mm. the same job as me, we, you know. A lot, I hear a lot of influencers talking about how disgusting men are and how many vile messages they get from men. And I, I, I have more problems with women, to be honest with you. Really? Um, yeah, barely any problems w- w- with men. I mean, you get mm-hmm. the odd few idiots in comments and whatever, but I think if I was showing my face then I'd get a lot more abuse. I'd be getting told that I was ugly. I'd be getting told that they wanted to rape me, that, you know, all of that stuff. I'd be totally open to that. You know, I'd, open myself up to that rather I'm not open to it like that, that, yeah. that came out wrong <laughs>
1: no I know I know what you mean but yeah it's um it's it's also I hate it because I, I I know exactly what you mean like having a, a sex positive platform and everything people or you know trolls assume that you're up for it or you know you deserve that kind of those that kind of commentary and it yeah it's so unfair even people that go on dating shows like obviously the Love Island cast cop it a lot with trolls but because they're putting themselves out there and they might have sex on tv and those sorts of things people yeah assume that they deserve to receive those comments which is just not the case it's such a weird thing
2: isn't it? it's that yeah. whole thing of like well you put yourself in the public eye this is what you signed up for yeah. and it's a bit like well not really nobody signs up to be abused and I don't really understand why nobody can have a career in the public eye without people thinking it's fair game to say whatever mm. the hell they want to them it's a yeah, it's really insane. bizarre thing isn't it
1: and it's just another another career path isn't it like no one's going up to doctors or going up to fishmongers and giving them <laughs> yes. use and you know trolling them and stuff in their face but it's probably that um you know the anonymity of social media in general like you can comment on on someone's post and they don't really know you and they're never going to follow up. People just get this hate out and it's mm. disturbing to be honest.
2: It's so, so odd. Like mm. I, I think people don't realize that like, this is my job and, mm. and I'm allowed to keep my workspace safe. And, you know, people often want to tell me, um, what, what people often say to me is they'll, they'll disagree with me. And actually I'm all right with being disagreed with. I really like to hear other sides other perspectives mm. but but there is a way to put across your your difference of opinion and if you put it across like well everything that you've just said is nonsense and I think you need to be really careful with the way that you did then I'm not going to react well to that and, I, and yes. why, why should I you yeah. know people have this expectation so, and I just block and, and I don't know why people are surprised by that because I have written a book called block delete move on yeah um and then people will be really snarky like she just blocks people who disagree with her well no I block people who think that it's okay to come in in a really rude attacking way Mm. to tell me that my work's wrong that they don't agree with me like I, I, I don't understand why people think that there's anything wrong with that like with me yeah being boundaryed about what I allow into my workspace like you say people are not going to go up to fishmongers and say the way I've just seen you cut that fish it's not even for me but I've just seen you do it and I don't like it and you know people just don't do it yeah so why they think it's okay to do it to influencers I do not know yeah it's
1: it's very strange. And I like how you seem like you've got your head screwed on about it all, like you're very pragmatic in the way that you deal with it. And I, I wonder if that comes from your previous career. And I'm just interested to know how your previous career has influenced the work that you do now, because you are very vocal on social media about things like abuse as well, which I think is awesome. So yeah, I just want to know like how that sort of impacts your day- to day
2: now. Um, I, it, In terms of what you just said at the beginning there, it's not my – I mean, my previous career has definitely had a huge impact on who I am and on the stuff that I do on my page. But I think it's age as well.
1: Yeah. You know, okay.
2: I'm, I'm 40. So if I'd have been doing this when I was 20, I would have taken a total different approach to it. I was yeah. a different person. And I definitely wouldn't have had – as thick a skin as, as I've got now and uh, I, I, I just like so so I think age is a huge factor in terms of being quite sort of solid I guess about things um, but of course yes my, my, my social work career and all my experiences and wisdom and knowledge and academia from that world uh, has 100% informed everything that I do on this page I couldn't I couldn't do I think my qualifications enable me to um yeah to put things in a way that are not only factual but to deliver them in a way that people understand because that was my job as a social worker is helping yeah. people to understand um what's causing the problems in their lives and and looking back over generational patterns looking at patterns of their own behavior and trying to unravel them and unpick them to help people to be empowered to to not be abusive or not remain in abuse or whatever. So yeah, mm-hmm. everything I do comes from that. And I, I think I still am a social worker. Uh mm. I still, I, you know, I very much do social work. I just don't do it in the same way that I did when I was knocking on people's doors, you know,
1: yeah, that was that was another one of my questions was just about the amount of advice that you know you're giving out to your followers and you know the amount of people that must come to you with questions and stuff like obviously you you do like an agony aunt piece as well. Yeah. Does this ever like affect your own mental health or are you kind of used to it because of your previous line of work?
2: Um yeah, I mean I think th- the thing is that as social workers we are exposed to extremely high-level child abuse um, and there is nothing that anyone can tell me in the DMs that I that is going to shock me yeah because I've 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 you know and actually that sounds like I'm desensitized to it I'm not I still feel upset when I read certain things I still have emotional triggers when I re- read certain things but at the same time I'm not going to like fall into a, a deep pit of darkness because I've read something because I because I have dealt with probably worse and I have been trained to deal with worse uh, and i I think that that is the key really the difference between um social media and social work is that when you're a social worker you get a supervisor you'll have your whole office space you'll have all your people there all your other social workers and you'll have a manager and so when a, a high level very upsetting, traumatic case comes in, you're not out there on your own dealing with it. You've got a mm-hmm. whole support network around you. You've got people to sound off with. Um, whereas with this, I'm just completely on my own. Um, mm-hmm. I do pay for supervision now. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it is it is difficult. and But actually, it's not the advice things that, that affect my mental health necessarily about this yeah. page. I think the stuff that, you know, affects my mental health is... It's other, you know, related stuff, not necessarily the trauma that I hear from from people, because yeah. I know how to compartmentalize that. Because you can't help anybody if you're an if you're an emotional wreck. You know, you you have yeah. to be able to to put that to one side in order to be able to help and empower other people.
1: Would you be comfortable sharing, like, what what are the hardest parts about running a page like this?
2: Um. So, one of the worst things for me is when I discovered that there was a thread about me on I don't even like saying the name of the mm-hmm. site. You probably know which site I'm talking about mm-hmm. it's a a bullying site that has been set up to oh, what oh it's awful, and so many people are on it i mean don't don't check whether you've got a thread on there yourself because oh God. the <laughs> one thing that I would advise people is just never ever ever look at your own thread. I see a lot of influencers do it. They discover that oh, they've got a wow. thread on this place. Um, and it, it solely exists for women, mainly women, yep. to chat absolute shit about, um, <gasps> other, other women, always influencers. I mean, Mrs. Hinch, Mrs. Hinch has a thread on there and yeah. they are like rabid. Beasts. Ugh. I mean, they, they tear through every single one of her stories. They pick up on things. They try to catch her out on things. Like, if she shows a receipt for something, they'll, like, zoom in on it and Ugh. try to establish how much she spent. I mean, they're there to actually really destroy people, you it's know? Creepy. Um, oh, it's creepy. That is so fucking creepy. It's so horrible. Somebody that I follow who I, I really love, um, Ashley mm. Louise James, she did a a handbag giveaway a really nice thing to just give away a handbag to her followers and then she was posting up about how and it was obviously people from that site had like complained to the advertising standards authority that she was giving away a handbag you know it's just really bitchy horrible stuff but that that I didn't know so for two years uh, I don't know if I had a thread or not but when it was brought to my attention which is something I really hate so uh, look one bit of advice I would give to people is don't DM influences and be like, have you seen what these people are saying about you? Because I don't need to know. I don't
1: want to see it. Like, I don't need to. Yeah, exactly. Their
2: opinions are irrelevant to me. These people are irrelevant to me. But there is something about human nature, which means that when you – or exposed to that, even though you can rationalize it and, and be like, well, these people are just dickheads. They, they, you know, who spends their time doing this? I cannot, nobody can take the opinion seriously of people who spend their time doing this. But when you see it, there's something about it that goes in. So when I first saw, I've, I haven't read it since 2019. I'm sure there's loads more shit on there. I do have people checking it because they have done dangerous things on there, like post what they thought was my address. They posted a picture of my son. So I have someone who checks regularly who will come to me and say, I think you need to look at this. Mm-hmm. But that hasn't happened for a long time. Um, oh, yeah, But the, the the hard thing was, they would, you know, I think you live in this bubble because people are mostly kind of kind about the things that I do online. And, I, and I'm really out here, I'm not trying to earn a ton of money. I'm not trying to become a celebrity or be famous. I'm literally trying to help people to stay away from abusive relationships. Yeah. Um, so it was such a shock to me when there were all these people that were just like, and it was all lies, there were so many lies on there. Oh, God and it's one thing that i've i've felt really has sort of impacted on my work sometimes mm. I will write something or I'll go to post something and what will pop into my head is what will the people on the bullying site be saying about this yeah
1: and it just shouldn't be that way yeah like you should be free to just be making the content that you think's good because obviously that's what resonates with the people who you care about their opinion like the people who you're helping you know yeah it's almost yeah. like you
2: can hear the voices of the bullies oh. and you, you can hear what they're going to say in sort of everything you do So that is probably the most negative for me. Aside from that, it's, uh, you know, I guess there's other negatives in terms of just, I don't know, actually. Actually, I'm not sure if there are other negatives. I have to look at the positives. I think the trolling and the kind of public exposure side of things um, is really difficult. Oh, The other thing is that I basically have phased myself out of being able to meet any new men. Because, again, on that bullying site, last time I went on dating apps, they screenshot. (laughs)
1: No. my pictures
2: yeah and really try to humiliate me on there with that so I can't use dating apps and yeah. it's really difficult because if I meet new people which I do I tend to meet mm-hmm. men when I'm out and about I have to like live a lie they say what do you do for a living and I'm like um. I, I can't I can't say I'm an influencer because they'll say what what's your page? And I'll be like, well, I can't tell you, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I I, I totally know what you mean with that because I think I'm single at the moment and, like, obviously go on lots of dates. I've got a dating podcast and it always comes down to it when they're like, oh, what's your podcast about? And I'm like – Mm. I really don't want to tell you and then they're always like are you going to put me on there like are you going to make fun of me and I'm like no 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 but then obviously like if they do something weird it's going on the podcast like (laughs) I'm not gonna lie it's going on there. Do
2: you tell them what your podcast is and do they listen to it?
1: Well, sometimes, like before we meet, because they'll be like, oh, I really want to check it out. And sometimes, guys, they're so great. They're like, oh, it's so funny. I love it. Your voice is cool, like blah, blah, blah. But then some of them, they'll it, sometimes they just stop replying because they just must panic and be like, mm. oh, my God, no way, not for me. Which I get it. But, like, yeah, it, I totally get what you mean. It, it is weird working in this field because yeah it's just a bit of a nightmare sometimes. yeah it is and I get
2: that thing of feeling and I've had that before where I have kind of alluded to people I'll be like you know I'm a I write for women or I'll be a bit vague or whatever and they always ask that same question are you going to write about me am I, am I going to be in your book and it's like no you're not that interesting yeah like you're
1: not that interesting <laughs> yeah. or they want to come on and they're like can I do an episode I'm like absolutely not you're not yeah. funny enough <laughs> you're not interesting enough <laughs> Um, oh God. Well, on a more positive note, you have recently released a book, which I believe it was the start of this year. February. and Yeah, February. And um, can you just tell everyone listening a bit more about your book, Block, Delete, Move On,
2: and how's it all going? Oh, it's going incredibly well. I'm really Yay. pleased with the uh, reception that the book has been given. I want every woman to read it. I actually want all men to read it too, but Really, I, I wrote it aimed at, um, at women who date men. Although I, I've had so much feedback from, from people in, the, you know, queer people and from mm-hmm. men. So it, it, and, and from people in relationships as well. Um, but really my, it's supposed to be a dating guide for heterosexual women who are dating men. Um, because one of the things that I, When I spoke at the beginning about the kind of connecting the dots things, one of the things that I didn't kind of connect the dots with when I was dating, especially in my earlier years, was how much of an impact like misogyny has on dating Mm -hmm. and how so many things are happening to me that just never happened to my single male friends on dates, Mm -hmm. you know, having to be um, wary of allowing them to see where you live or scary things happening on a date or being pressured into sex and then ghosted or being belittled. If you haven't sent nudes, you know, just all these tiny little things that were just so like, okay, this happens to me because of gender roles. You know, this is just this shit that just doesn't happen to men. So when I made the connection between like misogyny and dating, I was like, wow, big, light bulb and so then I also made connections to like the red flags that I was waving I had been quite manipulative and controlling in a previous relationship not abusive but certainly there were things that I had done which were a bit like you know getting upset if he was going out for a night out with his boys and like starting an argument or whatever you know um and and I had to look back and reflect on what I was bringing to dating. Um, and so I guess so I, so I applied all my uh, knowledge from social work around attachment theory. And one of the other things that are connected was that actually being single is really okay. Um, and that I'd gone through my whole life up until my mid thirties feeling like I had to be with someone. And if I wasn't, I couldn't function. Um, so really the whole premise of the book the idea of the book started from from those three concepts which is like I really need women who are dating men to understand the impact of misogyny I really need women who are dating men to understand that it's actually okay to be single but I also need us all to look in ourselves and have a look at the patterns that we are repeating and seeing if we can break any of those to have a more healthy dating experience Uh, so that's the first three chapters of the book and then the rest of the book goes into spotting particular types of fuckboys uh, where to meet people once you do meet people, spotting the red flags on dates, um, how to, you know, understand going through things like ghosting or breadcrumbing or the ick mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a whole chapter on sex because I don't think that cishet women are having the best time when it comes to sex. hundred Things could yeah. be a lot better. So I did a whole chapter on kind of like, should we even have sex with these guys? Like, is he worth disturbing your pH for? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I've done a chapter on like the rough side of things, the dating dangers, the things we need to look out for. And then the final chapter is all about like dealing with things when they go wrong. Like if you get your heart broken and just like pulling yourself back up, making yourself feel better, better. Uh, You know, even if that's not a long term heartbreak, I think some of us get really sad about a situationship ending. And, you know, so chapter nine is all about that. Um, So for me, it's just like a comprehensive guide that would have helped me if I'd have read it when I was a teenager before going into dating. It would have helped a lot. But it's not just for teenagers. I've 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 got an email this morning from a fifty-four year old woman who said that oh, it had changed her life. Amazing. So, yeah, it's been Do you know really what? nice.
1: I was gonna ask what's your all-time best dating advice, but I think the advice
2: is read the book. Oh that's <laughs> that's the only advice. That's why I've written the book. So no any <laughs> anything much. anyone asks me, I'm like, just read the book. Just you know? read it, Han. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: that's awesome. And um so I also wanted to speak to you because obviously you write a, a column for okay and you write a lot about Love Island and i just wanted to know what do you think of reality dating shows and if you think there's a line with healthy viewership and t- versus toxic entertainment like overall what are your thoughts on on
2: dating shows i think they're awful i really like first i really like first dates i really like first dates that's the only dating show that i really approve of because i think mm-hmm. that they have a really diverse a group of people on there and yep. I think they match people really nicely like you know that if there's uh, a, a black woman on there who likes black men that's they're going to match them up if there's a yeah an older person in their 70s they're not going to put them with a 30 year old or whatever you know so first dates I really really like it's quite wholesome It does feel wholesome and it just feels kind. Like they paint people in a kind of kind picture. They're not sort of setting them up, pitting them off against each other in some competitive um, thing. And that's what I think is the kind of evil behind a lot of the reality dating is this kind of constructed kind of like game playing, Mm -hmm. which we all know that game playing is not going to get you very far in a relationship. Um, So, so yeah, I think pitting people off against each other, it all being focused so heavily around like looks and physical appearance. Most dating shows only having one body type on there. No disabilities, very few, uh, people of diverse ethnicities. Um, you, you know, I, th- I, I just, I just don't think that they are healthy uh, in any way. And I, and I feel the same about Love Island. And I actually think Love Island is the worst of the worst. And if I, if, if me boycotting it would do anything, then I would, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to do anything. So, the best thing for me to do is keep an eye on it and be able to spot the red flags and highlight some of those things um, for my younger audience. You know, I think I think it's it's, it's detrimental. I hate it. I hate every part of it.
1: <laughs> and what what are your thoughts on on this season of Love Island so far? Because I've seen you've done some commentary on on Instagram and stuff. But overall, like, what are you what are you thinking of it so far? I think it's
2: disgusting. I think that the fact that they ha- are pretty much centering the whole show around a 19-year-old is, is really creepy. Like, it has become the Gemma show. Why are you bringing her ex-boyfriend in and apparently bringing another ex-boyfriend in? I heard in. about this. What? I was like, is that, that real? can't not. be. Can't I'd, be real. I'd, it's just awful. I think that their duty of care to protect people's mental health is non-existent you know I don't think they should have 19 year olds in their full stop I think that nobody under the age of 25 should be in there quite frankly because your um, brain hasn't even fully developed until you're 25 um, and, and you know like we were saying at the beginning there is that thing of like well they know what they signed up for but really when you were 19 if I look back I was a moron when I was 19 yeah I'm still a kid like you're still a kid (laughs) and you're supposed to be a moron when you're 19 like Mm. and this is difficult for people who are 19 to hear me say this because they'll be like Mm. "What? Like fuck off Um, yeah (laughs) and I would have been the same because I thought that I was a full-blown adult with my with my eyes open to the world but Mm. trust me you know every there is not a 25 year old alive that will not look back and go, yeah, I was very different at 19. But, you know, that, that we, we change, we grow, we're supposed to still be keens when we are 19. Um, and I think it's really dangerous to have teenagers in a show like that and then to center everything around her. Um, but also there's so much stuff in there that just makes me feel like, Ugh. you know, they have to do these tasks where they're like, They did one the other day that it was like an airport security thing, and they had to like search each other and frisk each other. Yeah, yeah, and and they're all like mixing outside of their couples, you know, Mm. choosing different people to search or having to Mm -hmm. search someone based on who answered the question or whatever. Mm. And I'm just wondering like where the line of consent is. Like, what happens? Do you consent right at the beginning before you go in the show, and then you just have to do anything that you're expected to do? Yeah, that's uh, so true. At what point, you know, could somebody during that airport search go, actually, I don't want to be searched by this person. So can you withdraw
1: consent? Can like you do that? Through, probably. Yeah, yeah but if you can't, then that is so problematic in itself, isn't yeah, it?
2: Yeah, and I think that needs to be much more clear. And actually, if they were starting those, if ITV were truly being responsible to their young audience, those kind of games should be started with a message to say every contestant was asked and all the way along they have the right to to not participate in this game. Make it clear, you know, That They have a responsibility.
1: Yeah, 100%. And in saying that you think, you know, Love Island is problematic and reality TV dating shows are problematic, where do you see them heading in the future and whether that's positive or negative?
2: You know, I do not know because I I, I think that something like Love Island draws such huge viewing figures and such huge media attention that I think that – it can only inspire other production teams to go, well, this is where the money's at. This yeah. is what people want to see. Um, and and people love it when things go wrong in Love Island, you know, that there's two things that kind of really get everybody talking is one is if people are like really nasty to each other or like have a big falling out, and the other is if they have sex. Um and and I think that people who are just keen to exploit Viewers and to make money from them will be seeing things like that and, and creating more and more reality dating shows that involve nastiness and sex. Um, it would be lovely to see a version of Love Island. I don't know how old you are, or whether you watched the early day Big Brothers, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen it, yeah, but back in the day, Big Brother was so pure. And it was such a group of people that looked so different and they weren't in there for fame. They had no idea what they were going in there for. They had no idea what life was going to be like when they came out. And it was just a group of adults having really interesting conversations. And if we could move in that direction of like 35-year-olds who Mm. do have stretch marks and saggy tits and, (laughs) you know, bald men with beer bellies having really fucking interesting conversations – I mean, that would be amazing. Do you think social media is what's changed all of that? Yeah, I think, I, I think I, you know, not just social media, but I think also this kind of Kardashian-esque influence that we have going on now. You know, like I, I don't think social media is necessarily – it wouldn't necessarily have been a problematic thing in itself, but we have now been led down a path where – every woman's face looks the fucking same. Oh, like,
1: I hate it. Yeah, I can't stand it. Everyone gets the same surgery from the same surgeons and they all yeah. look exactly the same. Yeah,
2: and they all are the oh. same size and they all have the same boobs and they all have the same bum. And I think that we have got this like warped idea now of what humans are supposed to look like and be yeah. like. And Yeah, um, so So, yeah, social media plus – the types of influence that we are being influenced by on social media, I think is having mm-hmm. a really destructive impact.
1: Seeing the future of reality dating TV is hard, but yeah, it's hard to see a positive coming out of it.
2: Yeah. I, well, I just wonder, like more stuff like first dates would be amazing. Um, but like I say, where's the mo- you know, it, where's well, the money? People yeah. go where the money is, don't they? They do. I wanted to ask you up next, what is
1: your funniest all time of all time dating story? Because obviously you've got so many and, you know, people love reading about them on your blog. But what do you think is your most engaged with, most funny, your favorite story to tell?
2: Um, well, I, I have a few. Um I do, I do have a few, uh, and I probably will write about this in my next book, some of my dates. This is what I used to blog about, and people absolutely loved it, but I, I took them all down because I was a bit like, these are actually embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, well, I'll put them in a fucking book so nobody, <laughs> they can never be taken down. Um, there, there's been a few. Um, mm. So I guess my fi- – fun. well, the one that people loved the most was when I – Oh God. Am I allowed to talk about drugs? You're anonymous. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> Listen, there's no shame in, in, in ever having taken recreational drugs, I think. I don't you know, there's no shame in there's no shame in anything, you know. Um I, I just don't think people should promote drug use, which I would never do because I don't think it's a I don't think it's a good thing to do. But um so I went on a date with a guy. I met a guy. We'd had mm-hmm. a f- we'd had a first date. We had a really nice time. We had a picnic together and then the second date I went to his for blockbusters and chill. This was a long time before <laughs> the <Blockbuster> Netflix and, <laughs> and <Chill. laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Before the awesome. Netflix days. <laughs> yeah. And um he gave me a drink. And Mm -hmm. I had no idea that there was a ton of MDMA in it. Oh, my God. Didn't figure it out until I was, like, high as a kite. Oh, my God. But these was my, like, pre-student days. I was a Uh big raver. I was very much into raving. and. Taking drugs, so it wasn't like you, you know that is a disgusting thing for somebody to do to spike a drink. You know, yeah. that, I, I, I'm not saying that that was okay or that that was acceptable in any way. And if somebody did that mm-hmm. to me now, I would call the police. I'd yeah. be fucking shocked. But I was like, whatever. Well, I think I was 19. You know, again, yeah. it shows you like I was a kid and I yeah. was probably yeah. just quite happy to get some free drugs at the time. Um, so we were both high absolutely off our faces mm-hmm. ended up um like going to the bedroom and mm-hmm. i was like giving him a hand job yeah. and i was i had acrylic false nails on at the time <laughs> and i thought he came because he screamed really loudly. And then all this wet stuff landed on my leg. So I was oh like, wow, yay. I've done a really good job here. <laughs> yay. Yeah, yeah. But then he kept screaming. And I was like, oh this God. is a bit unusual. It was really dark in the room. I thought, God, I must have done something significant here. I need to remember what I've done. Because he's oh like, my God." Ah! <laughs> and You're like I'm uh, amazing, yeah, I'm so good at this. And then I turned the light on, and there was blood everywhere, <gasps> and there was Stop. blood literally spurting out of his penis like a <laughs> water gun. <laughs> and I thought that I'd started my period, so again, I was really embarrassed, and I was like, "Oh God, sorry." But then I realised that like, we hadn't even had sex. What's going on? And then I clocked that I had completely shredded his helmet. <gasps> With oh. my acrylic nail. Oh my god! And he clocked that at the same time, and it was a bit. I, 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 it was a bit like a movie. I don't know if you've seen Stand by Me, where he realizes he's being sucked by the leech, and then he looks down, <laughs> and then he just collapses, and that's what happened. He realized, he fainted. Yeah, he fell on the floor, <gasps> fainted. But the worst thing about it was that I was so off my nut. On MDMA, that I didn't know how to handle this situation, <laughs> so I'm off my tits. Like, what do we do in this situation? I know what he needs—a banana. So <laughs> I went and got a banana and tried to stuff it into his mouth because I thought the potassium might like bring him back to life. But it was science. It makes. Oh, sense. It was awful, and then and then it wasn't. So he, then he was just like bleeding out of his dick with banana smushed all over his face. <laughs> And I was like, I've got to call an ambulance at this point, but I don't know where I am. And I'm really terrified that they're going to come and they're going to be like, why is this man like dead on the floor with banana all over him? Like, <laughs> Hi but MDMA. I did find a letter, I found a letter with his address on it and I managed to call an ambulance. And and I actually said to the ambulance people on the phone, like, I've given him a banana. And, and I really thought they'd be like, yeah, that's the right thing to do well done done. you are a medical expert (laughs) um but yeah they came an ambulance came they had to take him to uh casualty i went with him uh he had to get it stitched up and <gasps> yeah it was it was absolutely awful
1: how sharp were your acrylic nails that's my question because i've got these i've got these claws right now and they're like pointy as and now i'm like am yeah, i a hazard are, are these nails
2: a hazard yes you are a hazard i would stay <laughs> oh well away god. from penises if i was you especially if you are high and in the dark yeah oh my god that it is was insane. a really bad day he never spoke to me again
1: I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I would never speak to you again because I'd be traumatized. And for any men listening, I'm sure that they've either switched off or they're clutching their dick right now.
2: Yeah, don't go near girls (laughs) with nails.
1: Oh, my God. Speaking of lights off sex, I was like back in – do you have schoolies here? It's like when you finish school and then you go on a little holiday with all your girlies and everyone gets drunk and hooks up with everyone from school and stuff. Do you have that in England? We don't call it schoolies, no. All right. Well, it was on schoolies. But anyway, hooking up with this guy with the lights off and everything – like suddenly there was just – our bodies were really wet and I was like – what is going on? Like, I'm not that sweaty. Like, I don't really know what's going on. We turn the lights on. He's got a blood nose, blood all over me, all over my whole body, blood all over his body. And he was like, oh, my God, like, do you have your period? I was like, no, (laughs) look at your face. He looks in the mirror and it's literally like just – because it was like probably like 32 degrees up in the Gold Coast in Australia. Oh, and it, when, God. you know, when it's hot, people get a blood nose like yeah. easier. And yeah, just blood absolutely
2: everywhere. So oh. yeah, traumatizing. So, uh, <laughs> but you just don't want blood involved with sex, really. It's not nice, is it? It no. feels, feels gross. Oh, horrible.
1: <laughs> but yeah. um... That's actually my final question. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been an absolute blast and yeah, I'm I'm buzzing to speak to you. I feel like um I feel a bit starstruck. I really love your oh, blog, so
2: thank don't you so be much. Silly. <laughs> thank you for having me. Honestly, so, it's so nice to be invited onto uh, other women's oh. podcasts. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Layla. Please let me know on my Instagram at madswell.mp3 or my website madswell.co if you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share. Love and elbow taps, and I'll see you in season seven. Peace.